Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. As, um, as Ben mentioned earlier during communion, we are in the middle of doing a 40-day fast as a team. Uh, some of you have joined us in that, and it's just been such an incredible, incredible time. We've been meeting at the offices this past week, just praying and just in worship and communing with God as the first chunk of our day. And it's been so good and so sweet. And his presence has just been so tangible. And we're going to keep praying every Tuesday morning leading up to the 40 days. But also, I wanted to invite you all on the 16th, which is next Thursday, it's Yom Kippur. And we are taking the whole day to pray, praise, worship, and we're going to be streaming it live on our Facebook uh, page. Not our closed community page, but our regular open to the public page. And we would love for you to join in. So if you can come for the whole day or just for an hour here and there, we would love to have you praying with us. We believe God is going to do something special. Amen. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. It's where the priests would go into the Holy of Holies. It's a special day. It's a special day to meet with the Lord, and we're expectant that he's going to show up. Amen? Amen. Okay, I know we've prayed a lot, but I'm going to pray some more. It's just a good place to start. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that every one of us is imperfect. We thank you that in our pain, in our brokenness, that you are there, that you shine through us in our imperfections, and you love us just as we are. We come boldly to your presence, God, and we ask that you would change us, that you would heal us, that you would mend us, and that you would continue to shine through us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's been a bit of a theme tonight. I feel like, uh, does this sound okay? Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's been a bit of a theme of love tonight. And when we were praying as a team this past week, one of the days we just, um, actually Shane did what he did in worship where he got us all to just sing over people and love people that perhaps we disagree with, or the city of Austin even, and just begin to confess our love, that we love you, we love you, we love you, and turn our hearts towards these people. And it was so beautiful, and it was so powerful, and I felt like the Lord changed my message in that moment to speak on love tonight. So we are going to talk about love, but here's what I don't want. I don't want you to think, this is such an elementary teaching. Love, come on. We're Christians. We know how to love. I feel like this is a reestablishing of the foundation, if you will, a mending of some cracks that perhaps have began to show. Amen? So I want you to turn into your Bibles to 1 John 4, 7 through 12. I'm going to read this portion of Scripture twice, the first time in the New King James 
and then in a little bit in the Passion Translation. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God. That word there, knows, is gnosko in the Greek. And it means an experiential knowledge, not just a head knowledge. Everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God, experiences God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. See, this is important for us to learn to love one another. Because the measure in which we can love each other is the measure in which we can know God. And if we can't love one another, then we can't claim to know God. When we read some of these words in Scripture, they sound audacious and they sound so bold. But John, throughout this book, implores us as believers to love one another. Let me read it one more time in the Passion Translation. Those who are loved by God, let us continually, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Let me take a pause right there and repeat that. God is love. Love is not God. God is love. The moment that we think that love is God is the moment we reduce God to our, he- our earthly understanding of what love is. He sets the standard of what love is, not the world. Howard Marshall, a theologian, said this, It is because men are created in the image of God, an image that has been defaced but not destroyed by the fall, that they still have the capacity to love. Human love, however noble, however highly motivated, always falls short if it refuses to include the Father and the Son as its supreme objects of its affection. Love is not God. God is love. Picking back up. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God. For God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. 
delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Then loving one another should be our way of life. Not just when it's convenient or not just when we agree with each other, but loving each other should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. Who wants to know God more? Me too. You know how we do that? We learn to love each other better. Because you can't know God if you don't love your neighbor. It's a great reminder to turn back to loving one another, isn't it? Don't we live in a crazy time? Yeah? Like so much chaos. So much chaos. So much anxiety. So much indifference. So much fear. It's surrounding us. And it's at an all-time high, and we need to weed through the noise of this earth and tune our ears to heaven, and heaven sounds like love. We need to strip back our faith to the simplicity of the gospel, that God so loved the world. Our greatest pursuit should be to love God and love others. John 13, 34 through 35. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment, not a suggestion. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, not by your social media posts. By this... All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's somehow our love for God and our pursuit of righteousness is turning us away from each other instead of toward each other. And there is something wrong with this picture. We can't just know the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I study the Word of God. We can't just know the word of God and not know the God of the word. And you cannot know the God of the word if you do not love your brethren. I think that the Lord is revealing maybe some cracks in our foundation. And allowing us the opportunity to love each other well and better than we have. The church is turning its back on one another. But I believe that the Lord is bringing light to believers by word. We need to learn to love the person sitting next to us. 
get this, we even need to love the person on the other side of the screen. When we grow in love, we grow in intimacy with God. I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus to say, you were right. Well done. You destroyed all the relationships, but you were right. To be completely honest, I don't care if I'm right. I care if I love well. And that is what I want my Savior to say to me when I meet him. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you messed up. Sometimes you got it wrong. But you know what? You loved well. We are all imperfect people, and we are all going to make mistakes. But we all can endeavor to grow in love. David Guzik, another theologian, says this, of course, this love is not perfected in the life of a Christian on this side of eternity. Though it may not be perfected, it must be present. And it should be growing. You can't truly grow in your experience of God without also growing in love for one another. John can boldly say, he who does not love does not know God. If there isn't real love for God's people in your life, then your claim to know God and experience God simply isn't true. John is so confident. And he repeats it time and time again. In 1 John 2.9, he says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And we flip over, and in John, 1 John 3.10, sorry, 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. He who does not love his brother abides in death. That is strong language. We've become so good at disguising our hate, haven't we? Because no one, no good Christian is outwardly going to say that they hate someone. But we disguise our hate and call it justice. We disguise our hate and call it righteousness. We disguise our hate and we shame and condemn people who think differently than we do. This is not the love of God manifesting in our life. It is hate masking itself as religion. Matthew 12, 34 says, For what has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. Perhaps we could reread this in our culture, day and age, to say, For what has been stored up in your hearts will be typed in the comment section of social media. <laughs> what is in your heart? What do you want to be known for? 
And look, I'm by no means saying that you can't speak the truth. I am by no means saying that you can't have opinions. But I am saying this, speak the truth in love. And if it doesn't have love on it, there's a good chance it's not truth. Let's not just add noise to the chaos. Let's be the light that we were called to be. Amen? What does love look like? Guess which scripture I'm going to turn to. Ding, ding, ding. Though I speak, sorry, it's 1 Corinthians 13, if someone didn't get that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, is kind, is kind, is kind, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide, now, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. See, we love to quote this scripture, don't we? I mean, it's at every wedding, it's all over Hobby Lobby, it's everywhere. We got it in our kitchens, we got it in our laundries, we've got it everywhere. We create cute little posts, we splash it on social media, we're like, 1 Corinthians 13. We're so good at declaring this voice, but are we just as good at living it? Because love is not rude. Love is kind. Love looks like something. I began to ask the Lord, I'm like, well, why do we sometimes have such a hard time loving one another? And I feel like he gave me some of the obstacles that stand in our way from us fully being able to love one another well. And it's my hope that when we begin to identify the obstacles, that it's the beginning of dismantling them. 
And this isn't a comprehensive list. I'm sure there's more, but this is just the few that I heard the Lord say to me. And it's this. We disagree with someone. Ultimately, if we can't love through disagreements, then we value being right more than we love relationship. It is a sign of pride in us if we cannot love those who don't think the same as us. See, that's why church and fellowship is so important. Because we get around people who think differently than we do. And that's the way that it should be. That's our opportunity to grow in love. Typically, we don't love them, we just tolerate them though. We don't seek to understand. We just want to preach our opinions to them. We don't learn to love them. We leave the church and we find another church full of people that look like us, think like us, talk like us. And we're like, well, these are the real Christians over here. Because they think like me, talk like me, and look like me. Like, God forbid that the church is filled with people of different opinions, of different backgrounds, of different races. Part, (laughs) I believe a big role that the church plays is putting you beside people you don't agree with to see how you respond. So I tell you what, you can, you can watch church online all day if you want, but you're not going to grow in your love for other people when there's no one to rub against you the wrong way. It is healthy for us to have people in our lives that think differently than we do and guess and vote differently than we do. Crazy, I know, I know. Can I implore you in this one thing, if you find yourself in a disagreement with someone, have the courage to remove the screen between you and do it face to face. Let's stop calling ourselves brave when really we would never say that in front of someone's face. That's not brave. That's cowardice. And look, if you can't have this conversation Having a conversation face-to-face, it's not just wise, it's biblical. So if you disagree with someone, sit down. And you know the beautiful thing that happens when you meet with someone face-to-face that you disagree with? You remember that there is humanity behind a screen. You remember that the person sitting in front of you is loved by God just as much as you're loved by God. You remember that they are human too. And hopefully, you act a little bit kinder and a little bit nicer. So if you disagree with someone, just do it face to face. Can we have the courage to do that? Yeah. It's hard, guys. I know it's easier said than done. No one likes confrontation. Well, a few people do, but they're, they're the crazy ones. But no one likes it. 
But come on, we want to be people who follow the word. Amen. Amen. We can do hard things. We can. It takes courage. But our comment history does reveal the condition of our heart. Another reason why it's hard to love people is that they offend us or they hurt us. See, it's always interesting to me how many people find it shocking that the body of Christ is made up of broken people. It's like we don't have a magic pill that we just hand out at the door that you take it and you look more like Jesus. You actually got to do the work to look more like Jesus. You actually got to meet with Jesus to look more like Jesus and spend time in his presence. (laughs) But somehow we fool ourselves into believing that we're not also in a process. I really appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Any of you have children? Yes. It's so interesting to me to try to put um, life's lessons into kid vocabulary. It's very hard. I'm not very good at it. They ask me what something means, and I'm like, Joaquin? Like, I don't know how to say that to a child. <laughs> like, come here. But one of the beautiful things is, is we have a lot of time in the car on the way to school in the mornings. And what I'm trying to teach my kids is this simple truth that I really wish I had have known when I was younger. It would have saved me sleepless nights. It would have saved me a lot of pain. And I know that we throw this out all the time, but it cannot be more true that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people, whether it's intentional or not. And by knowing this, it should allow us to do two things. And one is to have compassion for that person. Because they're not meaning to hurt us. They're just trying to get a bit of relief from the pain that they're in. But it should also remind us that if we have pain in our lives, then it's up to us to do the work and allow God to heal that. I heard this saying once that if you don't get healed, you'll bleed all over people who never cut you. We don't want to be wounded Christians bleeding over other people, hurting other people. Right? Right. The answer is yes. It's honestly one of the most helpful truths to me. When my, one of my sons was in there and he was telling me about how this kid, he watched this kid be mean to another kid. And I was like, oh, buddy, that's, that's a bummer that he cho- chose to use those words. He's like, yeah, mom, but maybe someone uses those words to him. And I was like, oh, okay. You may not have clean underwear every day, but I'm doing one thing right. I'm just kidding. They have clean underwear. (laughs) All my children have clean underwear, I promise you. (laughs) 
But the way that someone treats us, it says more about them than it does about us. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, just a portion of it in the Passion Translation a little later on. But one of the things, one of the verses says, love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. We have to live our life unoffendable. Amen. And I believe that as we spend time in the presence of God and allow him to love us, he would just like coat us with like this protective layer that when people throw insults towards us or when they try to hurt us, it's just going to run off us like water off a duck's back. Amen? We don't forgive is another reason why we find it hard to love people. It's one of those easier said than done kind of deals though. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. We simply just need to spend time with the Lord meditating on what we've been forgiven of. Because every single one of us was forgiven before we were worthy of forgiveness. I'm not going to spend a long time on that one. But we need to forgive people And as we do, we'll be able to love them better and therefore know God better. One of the ways, one of the obstacles to loving people well is we judge them. The church never. There's a reason why the world thinks that the church is filled with judgmental people. This church isn't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, no, I'm not kidding. You are. <laughs> but other churches, you know, I'm just saying. It's those churches that none of us know of that, you know. <laughs> but ultimately, we judge people's actions and we attribute it to the intent of their heart. Don't we? We think we know their heart based upon their actions. And we judge accordingly. But what would it look like if we as believers gave every person the benefit of the doubt? What would that look like? Before we reacted, we took a step back and we thought, huh, I wonder if that's how they really meant it. Wait a second, I know that person. That mustn't be the intent behind those words. Or even, I don't know that person. Because, come on, it's easier to do it to people we don't know, isn't it? I don't know that person, therefore I can't judge their heart. God is the only one who can judge the heart of man. What if we said, I'm going to hear both sides of the story? What if we said, I'm going to give them the grace that I would want to be given if someone, if I did something stupid. And I know I'm not the only one who does stupid things. Okay, wow, you're all, okay. You are all better than me. Pray for me. But we do, we make mistakes, and we want people to give us grace when we make mistakes. So let's give other people grace too. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Again, in the Passion Translation, it says, It never, love, 
It never stops believing the best for others. Here's one of the obstacles. Someone doesn't like you. They hate you. They persecute you. They slander you. Matthew 5, 43 through 44 says, You have heard, this is Jesus speaking, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. That's hard. It's hard. Let me tell you, hate, way easier than love. It takes a bigger person to love than it does to hate. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Guess what? There's going to be people in this life that are not going to like you. I know, it's shocking. It took me a while to be okay with that. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I'm like, really? Why? What did I do wrong? There are going to be people who don't like you. Sometimes they're going to have reason. Sometimes they're not. But they're just not going to like you. And that's okay. We don't have to live our life trying to make everyone like us. We do have to love them regardless of whether they like us or not. There are always going to be people who hate you for what you believe, who slander you for what you stand for. Always. And there are people who just want to fight. They don't care what you have to say. They just want to fight. I know this one personally. (laughs) I have had experience in this area, and it is hard. It is so hard. I don't want to pray and bless people who hate me. I want to lay hands on them. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. No, but sometimes I I am trying. I use everything within me sometimes. But you know what? I'm like, God, I bless them. I bless them. I bless them because I'm not going to continue the cycle of hate. Because when we defend ourselves and throw stuff back at them, it's just this circle and cycle that never stops. You have to be the one to put a stake in the ground that says it stops with me. I will bless those who hate me and curse me. I will pray for them. I will do good to those who hate me. Otherwise, we're just as bad as them. It's really hard to hate someone that you're actively praying for. And, and sometimes you're going to have to pray for a while before that feeling comes. <laughs> Just, but keep praying until it does, because it's an invitation to know God more. Another obstacle is just that there are difficult people. <laughs> we are not one of them. Of course. 
But sometimes there's just people in our lives that are hard to love, aren't there? Just me? No? Okay. Okay. I know two men who are um, leaders in the body of Christ. You would know them, but they have actively um, chosen to place people in their lives who are difficult for them to be around. They have chosen to mentor, teach, bring people into their uh, relational circle who they don't have anything in common with, that rub them the wrong way, (laughs) that are just difficult for them to be around. And why? Because they have understood this truth, that it is an invitation to grow in love which results in an invitation to grow in intimacy with the Lord. We can't just love the easy people. We can't just love the people who think like us, who talk like us, who look like us. we got to learn to love the people who are difficult. And the beautiful reward of that is that we get to know God more. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Not reactive. Incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. All. Believers and non-believers. All. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. I'm going to go a little controversial for a moment, okay? I had someone come to me a little while ago and tell me that they got vaccinated and that they were too scared to tell people. Not scared, but they were worried that people in the church would put shame on them for the choice that they made. Firstly, that broke my heart. And likewise, I have friends who are unvaccinated who are being shamed by friends and family who are. Love does not traffic in shame. Don't try to shame someone and say that you're just trying to protect them. That's not love. That's you imposing your belief on someone else. Let's not traffic in shame. nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. Are you a safe place? For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as a defeat, for it never gives up love never stops loving. See, 
I think we've been confused. I think that the enemy has used confusion and he's trying to take away not only our ability to love, but our trust in the power of love. He's over here going, hey, pick up all these weapons and just throw them at each other to win the fight. But if we remember that the greatest weapon that defeated sin and death was love, then we would be so much quicker to pick up love to win this war. It is our greatest weapon. It has a breaker anointing more than any other weapon. And when we truly understand the power of love, that's when we'll actually start to make a difference and not just contribute to the noise. Let's be people who are more known by our love and what we are for than what we are against. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. The way that we love people better is this. We allow God to love us. See, when we truly know how loved we are, we can't help but love those around us. And likewise, when we don't have a revelation of how much God loves us, then it's easy for us to be mean and unkind and disrespectful. God is love. And he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And as we lean into that truth, he will give us the grace and the capacity to love other people well. And we can boldly say that we know God. Because it says that some are going to get to heaven. Christians are going to get to heaven. And he's going to say, I never knew you. I don't want to be someone that only knows him by word and not by experience. I don't want to be someone who only knows him by intellect. First John 4:16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We have to know and believe that God loves us so that we can love others well. We need to daily commune with the Lord and have friendship with God. And this is the perfect time to start afresh. During this 40-day fast, this is a perfect time to strip away distractions. Hey, if you find it hard to love people well on social media, guess what? You'll survive without a social media account. 
And you loving other people well is of infinite more importance than you having a platform on social media. Or having a place to put your opinions. Simply fast social media if that's what you need. Invite a friend to coffee who doesn't think the same as you and seek to understand. Don't think of all the comebacks in your mind while they're talking. That's not seeking to understand. We need to come just as we are because we cannot earn the love of God. We can only receive it as the gift that he freely gives to us. I'm going to ask the team to play over us. And if you feel like you just need an upgrade in love, if you feel like you need more capacity to love people well, I am in that group. If you need a refreshing reminder of how much God loves you so that you can go and love the people around you better, then I just want to invite you to stand. And if you want to come down the front and lay on the floor, you can do that. We're going to have our ministry team come up soon and they can pray for you. But as the team just plays over us, I just want you to be reminded that you are loved by the God of the universe, that He chose you just as you are, as imperfect and as broken as you are, He chose you. And He will choose you again tomorrow and the next day and the next day for eternity. Let's remind ourselves of His love for us so that we can go out and love other people well. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.